Well, tonight we're going back to Revelation, and we're in Revelation chapter 3. And uh, tonight we, we likely will not get through the whole chapter. That's not a surprise to you, but uh, I, had, I have given you the outline uh, as if we're doing the whole chapter. So here's what I want you to do to save paper and to keep me from uh, retyping all this and sending it out or printing it out again. Uh, this is, these are the notes you will need for all of chapter 3. So if we don't get through chapter 3 tonight, keep it in your Bible or bring it back next time. And uh, these will be the notes we use to finish chapter 3. So what we're talking about in, in chapter 3 are the, the last three churches, uh, unique churches that uh, are in the book of Revelation that we still need to, to deal with. Sardis, which is known as the dead church. Philadelphia, which is known as the obedient or the missionary church. And Laodicea, which is known as the lukewarm church. Uh, I would ask you just to join me in prayer as we begin this tonight. I, my heart has been uh, touched by what I have read and what I have studied. And, and I hope that God would speak to your heart as well as we look at this, this text tonight. And let's be sure to thank God for what he has done for Mount Airy Baptist Church. So join me as we pray. Father, uh, I do come before your throne of grace And I join with Rob and the rest of our church family to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving so much to us. Thank you for blessing us in ways we couldn't imagine and in some situations in ways we we didn't even realize. But we recognize, as Scripture says, that every good thing comes from above. And whatever we give, whatever we receive, we recognize that ultimately you give us the resources that we have and And so, Father, we want to acknowledge that and help us to be good stewards of what you put in our hands. And may it be used for your glory. And may it be used, Father, to help others come to know Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. And then, Lord, as I have studied tonight and prepared for this, as, as I come tonight to teach, I pray for your spirit to be our teacher and to be our guide. I pray, Lord, regardless of how far we get through this material, you know how far we need to go. You know what churches we need to look at. And even if it's just one church, speak to us through your holy word, by your Holy Spirit, and may it change our lives. And I ask that in Christ's name. Amen. There was an artist who was commissioned to put on canvas what he considered to be the best picture that would depict a decaying and dying church. After several months, people returned uh, to see the finished artwork. The hour finally arrived. They gathered around the canvas that was covered, and they were standing there at the easel, and they had already given their input as to what they thought the church should look like, what they thought the picture of the painting should look like. They had already made suggestions to the artist of what that should look like. They, some had said it, it was, should look like a run-down building in great need of repair and paint. Others suggested maybe weeds should be growing in the churchyard. And others said there probably needs, some, needs to be some broken window panes. And everyone in the group seemed to have that kind of picture in mind as they were commissioning this guy to paint a dead and dying church. However, when the cloth was removed, hush fell over the group because everyone was stunned. Their eyes looked at an absolutely beautiful picture of a beautiful church building. The grounds were well kept. The exterior was in excellent condition. 
And after a few minutes, somebody finally got the courage to ask the artist, I thought we asked you to paint a dying church. That's when he smiled and invited everybody to look in the windows of that church. When they looked into the windows of that church, what they saw were empty pews. And what they saw in the windows of that church were offering plates that had nothing in them but cobwebs. That painting was reminded to the people that at first, chant, at first glance, dead churches don't always look dead. Dead churches aren't always obvious from the outside. In fact, some of the deadest churches you'll ever see are beautiful to look at, but they are a museum. Some of the beautiful churches that you see, perhaps even in our area, maybe in other places, they're beautiful on the outside, but when you examine the life and ministry of that church closely, you'll find cobwebs. There was a church just like that that Jesus wrote to in the book of Revelation in chapter 3. It was a unique church because it was made up of living corpses. It was a morgue with a steeple. These were people who met together, they sang together, they worshipped together, they prayed together, but they were embalmed. Problem is, they didn't know it. They didn't realize how dead they were. Jesus said to that church, I know your deeds, I know you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. When the Lord Jesus says you're dead, you're dead. And so this letter that we're about to read has a different tone than the previous letters we've looked at so far in Revelation. So far, we've looked, for example, at the church at Smyrna, and our Lord had nothing but praise to say for that church. And then the churches of Ephesus and Pergamos and Thyatira, uh, he had a a mixture of, of praise and criticism for those churches. But the majority of the church at, at Sardis had nothing praiseworthy to be said about them. And notice I said the majority. The majority of the church at Sardis had nothing praiseworthy that could be said of them. But thank God, there are, there are, even when the majority is dead, there is a minority in God's church that may still be alive. And I'll show you that in the text in just a few minutes. So, what are the signs of a dead or dying church? We find that in the church of Sardis. He says in verse 1, To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God. Of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds, and you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. What are the signs of a dead or dying church? First of all, I put on your notes A, the the past is better than the present. When you look at a dead or dying church, they're always pointing back to the heyday. When you look at a dead or dying church, they're always talking about how it used to be and what we used to do. And when Reverend so-and-so was here, all that happened back then. Jesus said that this church had a reputation, and it was a good reputation, not a bad reputation. Please take note of that. As Jesus looked at this dead church, it had a good reputation, not a bad reputation. Now, let me ask you a question. I want you to respond. How do you get a good reputation? By doing good works. Somebody else. How do you get a good reputation? You've got to earn it, right? 
You've got to do good works. You don't get a good reputation by doing nothing. You don't get a good reputation by simply sitting there. You earn it. You prove it. So here's what you need to understand about the church at Sardis. At one time, the church at Sardis apparently was a great church because they had a good reputation. They had earned that in the community. They were known in the community. They, they had done good things in the community. It was a church, watch this, that at one time was alive. It was a church that was an exciting place to worship. It was the kind of church that everybody wanted to go to. Now, in fact, I'm not going to do this. I'm not trying to cast stones at anyone. But, but if I were to ask you, do you know any churches like that? I bet immediately you could call a church or two to mind, couldn't you? In fact, some of you are shaking your heads because you're thinking, I used to go to that church. I grew up in that church. I've known that church. Here was a church, the church at Sardis, who had a great reputation, and they had earned it. They were a great church for a while. But Jesus said to this church, your past is greater than your present. Because even though you've had this reputation as being alive, you are now dead. Well, Vance Habner once said, how many of you know who Vance Habner is? Raise your hand. All right, about half of you. Well, Vance Habner, an old-timey preacher, once said, Every ministry begins with a man, it becomes a movement, it becomes a machine, and then it becomes a monument. I thought that was profound. Sardis was in the monument stage of existence. It was living on a past reputation. What is true of churches, by the way, can also be true of the people who make up the church. Do you hear me? Are you listening? You know know what a church is? Church is made up of people, isn't it? And what's true of a church in general is also going to be true of the people who make up that church. And so I've got to ask you a personal question. Don't answer it out loud, of course, but I want you to think about, think about it. Are you living on a past reputation? Maybe I could be a little more personal. Is your past better than your present? If your past is better than your present, then you are a dead or dying Christian. Let me ask you this. If your reputation is better than reality, you know, you've got this reputation in the church and people look up to you and people respect you. But but listen, on the inside, you know what reality is, right? And so if your reputation is greater than reality, then my friend, you may be a dead or dying Christian. Church at Sardis had two basic problems. First of all, it was not the church that others thought it was. That was the first problem. It was not the church others thought it was. And secondly, it was not the church that God wanted it to be. And that was the greater problem. It was not the church that God wanted it to be. And again, because it's people who make up the church, I've got to ask you those two questions. Are you the Christian that others think you are? And are you, more importantly, are you the Christian that God wants you to be? Maybe a good prayer for you to pray would be, God, help me to be the man or help me to be the woman people think I am. Help me to be the man, help me to be the woman that I have the reputation of being. Bring life back into me. There's a second sign of a dead or dying Christian, and that is 
A sure sign of a dead or dying Christian or, and a dead or dying church is this. You're no longer growing. You're no longer growing. I know that's elementary, but listen to what he says in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God, the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're not alive. You are D-E-A-D dead. Now, here's what I want you to understand. A basic lesson of life is that dead things don't grow. Right? I've got proof of that. If you need proof, you can come to my front yard. I've got some bushes out in the front of my house. I, have, I need to dig it up or I need to do something with it. But I've got these four bushes and one of the, one of the four, the other three are green. And they're growing. I have to clip them. There, there's a third one that I left there because I don't have to clip it anymore. You know why I don't have to clip it anymore? Because it's brown. Because it's dead. Dead things don't grow. Hello, church. Dead things don't grow. You see, it's a basic lesson of life. Jesus said of this church in Sardis, you were once alive. You were once growing, but now you're not. Now you are dead. The church at Sardis was a church that was not a, it was not a weak church that needed restoration. It was not a sick church that needed rejuvenation. It was a dead church that needed a resurrection. And if that describes your life, I've got some good news for you. Our Lord tells us in this passage how to bring life back to our relationship with him. Look at the steps. I put these on your notes. The steps to renewal in our walk with God. In in verse 2 and 3, there's a series of steps to renewal in our walk with God. Here's what he says uh, in verse 2. Wake up. That's the first step. Now, put in your notes that, you know what that means? It means there needs to be an honest awareness that something is wrong. Wake up. An honest awareness of something is wrong. You've seen this in people in your family or friends that you have. It's like, why can't they see what they're, they need to wake up. Why can't they see where this is heading? Why can't they see what they're about to do to their marriage? Why don't they see what they're about to do to their kids? Why can't they see what they're about to do to their finances? They need to wake up. Now, you know when you say that, they're not literally asleep, right? What are you saying? You're saying, this is is something urgent. This is something that needs attention. This is something where they need an honest awareness that something is wrong. So when our Lord said, wake up, he's not saying, hey, I see you sleeping at Mount Airy. I know Keith is preaching, and that's a good time to be sleeping, but that's not what he means when he says, wake up. This is our Lord's way of saying, you need to understand the seriousness of the situation that you're in. That's the first step. Just to come to an awareness of the serious situation you are in. You remember that story of the prodigal son? Story of the prodigal son that he went off to the far country and wild living. And the greatest part of that story is it says, and he came to his senses when he was in the pig pen. 
when he had wasted everything that he had, when he, when he had lost everything that he had, when he, when he found himself working in a pig pen, and the Bible says, and he came to his senses. And I sometimes kind of laugh at that story because it's, I, I'm thinking, why couldn't he have seen it before then? Why do we always have to get in the pig pen before we finally wake up? But once you get in the pig pen, that's a good time to wake up, isn't it? And so, history tells us that this church of Sardis was a church that needed to wake up. A church of reputation, a church that had done good things in the past, but a church that was dead. You know, history also records something else about the city, not the church of Sardis, but the city of Sardis, I think is very interesting. Did you know that on two different occasions, the city of Sardis was conquered by enemy troops because the guards fell asleep. Isn't that interesting? That he said to this city, you need to wake up. And on two different occasions, the enemies were able to come in and conquer the city because the guards that were supposed to be guarding the city fell asleep. You see, I think what the Lord Jesus is telling us, you need to wake up because the enemy is about to do something to you that you don't even realize is coming. The enemy is about to have his way and gain victory in your life or in your marriage or in your situation or maybe in your church. And you need to wake up because you don't realize what's ahead. You don't realize the danger that you're facing. So our first step and action step to renew our relationship with God is to wake up. It's just an honest awareness that something is wrong. B on your outline. What's the second step? It's it's to strengthen. He says in verse 2, wake up. Then he says, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthens what remains and is about to die. In other words, work to improve your situation. Work to improve it. Take action. It's, it might be bad. You might want to write this down in the column. It might be bad, but it's not hopeless. Your situation might be bad, but it's not hopeless. If you will wake up, if you will understand, if there will be an honest awareness that something is wrong, you'll recognize that things may be bad, but, but it is not hopeless. Immediate steps need to be taken to change your situation. You need to recognize you can't play with sin. You need to recognize you've got to deal with the sin in your life. But so long as you're willing to wake up and understand the steps that need to be taken, there is hope in Jesus. Can somebody say amen? There is hope in Jesus. Here's what I want you to know. Maybe this is for somebody here tonight. Your life is salvageable. Your life is salvageable. But only, but only if you act decisively and strengthen what is about to die. You know, more and more, I've become aware of and concerned for churches in our denomination and churches in our state convention that are dying, and they're dying all around us. I I, I saw a church not long ago. I I should rephrase that. I saw a church building not long ago uh, in another city, and the church building now was some kind of a store. And as we drove by it, I whispered in my spirit, Oh my goodness, God, look at that. 
That was a place where people used to gather for worship. That was a place where people used to pray. That was a place where people used to sing praises to your name. That's, that's a place where hopefully people came to know the Lord. Now look at it. It's not even a church anymore. It's not that it's a small church. or li- It's not even a church anymore. Now it's a store. They're making all kinds of things out of former churches these days. They're making, they're making uh, restaurants. There's one in Jonesboro, Tennessee. You, you, you can go to this restaurant now that used to be a church. Now it's a restaurant. Stores, schools, all kinds of things. In places that used to be alive, but now are dead. Jesus said, strengthen what remains. That's, your first, that's, that's where you start. What is it that remains that's, that's still got a little life in it? Start there. What is it that, that still remains in your marriage that still has a little life in it? Start there. What is it in your walk with God that still has a little life in it? Start there. Strengthen what remains. And then he says the third step to renewing your walk with God is to remember what you have received and heard. Look at verse 3. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. And then he says, obey it and repent. Remember what you have received and heard. Tell me what that means to you when, you when you read that or hear that. Remember what you have received and heard. What does that say to you? Say that a little louder. Absolutely. That's perfect. I pre- I'll pay you after, after this for saying that. He's saying, listen, you know what you ought to be doing. You've already been taught this. This, You don't need, listen, you don't need new information. You need to obey what you've already heard. You don't need to go somewhere else or some other group or some other church and and get new information. You've you've been taught in Sunday school. Your parents taught you. you. Your friends have taught you. You know what you need to do. You know the steps you need to take to come back to God. It's not a question of do you know what's right or wrong. The question is, will you obey it? That's what he says right there. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. Wake up to the facts and return to duty, God is saying. Wake up to the facts and return to duty. See, in the past, just think about in, just think about in your past. And remember now, this is a church that used to do good things that is now dead. In your past, remember what you used to do. For some of you in your past... You stood tall for the Lord, you worked for the Lord, you sacrificially worked for Him, you were committed to the Lord, you were excited about the things of God. And that's in your past. There, there was a, you can point to it, can't you? You can point to a time where you used to do more than you're doing now. You used to walk closer than you're walking now. But the thing about the past is this. It's in the past. You're no longer living like you once lived. You're no longer serving like you once served. You're no longer doing what you once did. It's in the past. Now, he says, it's time to repent and come back to your Lord and to your God. And if you don't, if you don't, Jesus says, there is a certain judgment you'll face. Look at verse 3, the second part of verse 3. 
Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, if you decide that this is not for you, if you decide you're not going to do it, if you decide you're not interested, if you decide you're going to keep walking the path you're walking, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. I think it's very picturesque language. It was the Lord's way of saying, if you don't wake up, there will be a reckoning. There will be a day when you have to face the consequences. And the problem is you do not know when that day is coming. It's not like you'll be able to prepare for it. There's a day coming and you can't get ready for it. The best thing that you can do is to remember and repent Father's time. Then thirdly, there's the stimulus for faithfulness in verses 4 through 6. He says, and I, and I love this part, because remember now, we're talking about a dead or dying church. Well, actually, we're talking about a dead church in this, in this context. We're talking about a dead church. The church of Sardis, the Lord Jesus said they were dead. But I love what he says in verse 4. Yet, you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Isn't that beautiful? And this dead church, this church that was once alive, this church that was once active, that is now dead, Jesus said, but, but not everybody is like that. There are a few people who are still serving me. There are a few people who are still committed. There are a few people who are still serving and, and loving and doing what they've always done. All through the Bible, there is that remnant, isn't there? The remnant of God's people. And I believe that in some of these dying churches, there's probably still a faithful remnant, a handful of people who still want to see their church do kingdom work, who still want to see their church come alive again, who still want to walk with Jesus. They still want to serve Jesus. They still want to be faithful to Jesus. So here's the stimulus for faithfulness. He says in verse 6, first of all, verse 4, uh, verse four through 6, he says in verse 4, you have a few people in Sardis who have not sold their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. That phrase, dressed in white, speaks of our righteousness before God that Jesus makes possible. Revelation 7.14, write that down in, in your note column there. Revelation 7.14 talks about those who wash their robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. There are a few people, he said, who, who are still trusting in the righteousness of Christ, dressed in white. And he, and he says this in the next verse. He who overcomes will, like them, these few people, these few faithful people, he who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. And, and this is the promise. I will never blot out his name from the book of life. This speaks of our security. I will never blot out your name from the book of life. The book of life is the book in which your name is recorded when you have trusted Christ as your Savior. And when you're faithful to the Lord, he says, listen, I just want to assure you, uh, I'm never going to blot your name out. This expression means that on the great day of judgment, your name will be found there and it will be there forever. And then he says, this is the best part. 
Get, get ready. This is the best part. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. Now, let's just, let's just focus on that for a minute. He says, not only will I not blot your name out, but when I stand in the presence of the Heavenly Father and you stand there in front of us, I will acknowledge your name in front of the Father. In other words, Jesus will stand up for you and acknowledge that you are one of God's children. Listen, listen, listen. When it matters most, when it matters most and you're standing at judgment day in front of a holy God, when it matters most and you're hitting your face because you're not worthy to be in His presence, when it matters most and you think, if it's not Jesus, I've got no hope. When it matters most, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you'll be faithful to me, There'll be a day when I will stand up on your behalf. I will acknowledge you before my Heavenly Father. Think of it. Think of the day when Jesus would say, Father, this one is ours. He's part of our family. Then he goes on to say, verse 6, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, I'll call to your attention that plural, churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's us. God is saying, listen, respond, be obedient. Because I've got a message I'm trying to give you if you will just listen and respond. When your reputation is greater than reality, when the past is greater than the present, then you are a dead or dying Christian. And may God help us all to come back to Him so that this will never be a dead or dying church. Amen? You come back next time, and we will, you save your outline, and we will continue and finish in chapter 3. Let me pray over you. Father, I'm so grateful that you are indeed the God who works in our lives in such a way that you know just where we are. You know exactly what we are experiencing. You know exactly where we're living. You know exactly what we're going through. And sometimes out of love, sometimes out of correction, you speak truth into our heart. God, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight, if reality is different from the reputation, I pray for the conviction of your Holy Spirit. If the past is greater than the present, I pray for the conviction of your Holy Spirit that we might be alive again, that we might walk closely with you again, that you might bring back to life that which is dead in us. God, if you brought your son up out of the grave, may that same resurrection power 
bring life back to us. We so desperately want it and need it. And we ask for it in Christ's name. Amen.